Good morning. Uh, <laughs> you didn't think about that, did you? No, I didn't love the logo. It looked really good with the logo. Better on with the logo on screen than my face, anyway. Good morning, Austin. <laughs> Jim's having a Monday. Good morning, Austin. Casey couldn't tell. We are not. We are in the uh, the Austin studios of Adam versus the man. And behind me, we have a special backdrop this morning. This is like a great way to start the show for the audio listeners who have no idea what's going on now. <laughs> All right, so we have this cool wallpaper. It's got a bunch of faces of famous musicians on it. I thought the contest today should have been name all the faces on the wall, but Joey said that was too easy. Too easy. Too easy. Not too easy. First enough. person, first person in the comments here. Because someone, someone's got this. So like it's is it four? One, one, two, three, five. four, five faces. And this weird repeating checker pattern where Willie Nelson and the guy from ZZ Top, no, Waylon, it's Waylon, right? It's Waylon. So it's like he gets a full row to, he gets oh, a full wow. calling to himself. You know, and, then, and then it's the guy from ZZ Top slash Willie Nelson sharing a column, and then BB King and Janice Joplin. Oh, Janice is off camera. Is that? Where you pointed anyway, but she's up there. Bam, bam, there, there. there. <laughs> James Joplin, Big King. Yeah. Uh, anyway, welcome to the show. Welcome to uh, welcome to Monday. Welcome to the week. We are in Austin because I was getting interviewed for a, a documentary series about Barry Cooper, the one and only, never get busted, cop busters, trip to wellness. That Barry Cooper. And uh, hopefully we're going to get him on the show, although he isn't even in Philippines time right now. But even we're at, more like when we're doing the show, it's the middle of the night or like really, really late for him. But we're going to get we're going to get Barry Cooper on the show uh, sometime this week. We got an exciting guest coming on later today. We've got a COVID block. We've got let's see. I should I should uh, I should promote our guest properly here. Our guest today is Libertarian Party of Colorado campaigns director Greg Lauer. Not exactly, uh, you know, one of the big names or faces in the LP, but one of the workhorses. And being a campaigns director, Libertarian Party of Colorado, we're going to hear uh, about this role that I, I think he created or was created for him in the Libertarian Party of Colorado. Uh, he's a lifelong uh, little L libertarian. He recently joined the party. Uh, he's been on the city council. For the last seven years, working behind the scenes to scale back and eliminate restrictive code. Might be run for mayor in November. So Greg Lauer joins us uh, later on in the show. Maybe we'll get him on for a, a longer block. We've got him scheduled for the short interview today. I don't know if you want to see if you can make that happen, Joey. But Joey's with us in studio. Hi. Jim's with us from Phoenix. She's got a comment contest. But before we get to that, producer notes. What's going on? Good morning. Yeah, as you can tell, you you pointed, you called it, nailed it. You can tell I'm having a Monday. I apologize for that. I don't know why the logo didn't go up, but then I figured it out because I didn't put the other one up. Join us, t.me forward slash Adam Burst the Man. That's the public Telegram channel that you can join the conversation for the show. All the links that we go through from the show, like I remember 
remind you every day. The links are in the show notes at t.me forward slash Adam versus the man. Our comment contest today is going to be a fun one. Uh, so if you do win that, you're going to win access to the private producers club, uh, which gives you access to the backstage to hang out with us every day if you wanted to. And uh, just some extras. And that's where we come up with the links that we're going to talk about daily. Uh, it's one of the places. But if you want to just buy your way to the Producers Club and not have to worry about winning a contest, you can just go to patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. We got one, five, ten and fifty dollar a month packages. Ten dollars a month is the sweet spot. We call that the better patron package. That's going to get you access to the private Producers Club I mentioned. Once you're a member of that private Producers Club, you'll get 15 percent off and free shipping on all the merch at our store once that's up and available at adamversusman.com. So look forward to that and keep that bookmarked in your tabs. After that, we have an affiliate program with cigarfederation.com, an excellent website with exotically flavored cigars for you to choose from, including one that's CBD infused called the JSK Nugs. Uh, at cigarfederation.com, you can use promo code ADAM10 to get 10% off your entire order there. So definitely check that out and take advantage of that. Uh, after that, if you're looking for some visual stimulation, you can go to Instagram and type in at the Garden of Freedom. You'll see all the pictures and videos, the beautiful sunsets and sunrises, uh, cool side profile shots of Mr. Vallejo there, uh, all kinds of stuff on Instagram for you to check out at the Garden of Freedom. So definitely get yourself following that page so you can keep up with any of the new uh, stuff going up there in Gardenia. Uh, next, the Crypto6.com. You've heard us tell you about the Bitcoin church that was raided. Uh, we've had guests from this situation on the show. So please visit the website, uh, write to the people still in cages and scan the QR codes to donate different cryptocurrencies you might be flush in to help those guys out with their uh, legal battles and everything. Lastly, GoGreenEnergyOnline.com is the best website we send people to for people that are trying to do it themselves. The do-it-yourselfers that are looking to get into solar power or micro wind power or need to know stuff about zero energy homes, you can use GoGreenEnergyOnline.com. It's a great, great website with great resources and great knowledge base on everything self-sustaining for energy. So get yourself involved and uh, good times. Here we go. Back to back to the show all right ladies and gentlemen we are back on the uh set number two in the austin texas studios of adam versus the man this morning ladies and gentlemen joey lee in the co-host chair this morning she, hey look she even came up right where i was pointing Whoa. on the screen movie magic the thanks wonder. to producer jim joey it's mental health monday uh we have a, a woman who is uh very protective of her mental health uh involved in our contest today uh who, 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 we have a picture caption contest is that right for a comment contest today we do i mean our our listeners are so damn creative I'm looking at these comments every day five days a week and they just come up with great stuff so i'm going to challenge them today instead of the comment contest uh we, we want you to meme this 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 picture <laughs> I found on a friend's Facebook page that's <clears throat> not been memed. He legitimately saw this uh, in his town, which slips my mind right now. Should have researched that, but it definitely deserves some memes. So, contest comment contest is a meme contest. Best meme wins <laughs> and gets 
on all the versus <laughs> the man branded social media. Well, Ed's already got. Well, that's the last time they asked me to wear a mask. <laughs> I'm, th- I'm she's walking through a parking lot. I'm thinking truck. No, I'm looking for where I parked my tank. <laughs> 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 and for the audio audience, we want to, you want to describe this picture? <laughs> so yeah, we've been on. So this this little old lady who can't be any taller than myself, like five foot, <clears throat> little hunched over, is walking. Oh, she's shorter than you. She's, she's way shorter than, shorter than you. Walking through a strip mall parking lot, holding a semi-automatic weapon that is at least a foot larger than she is. What kind of gun is that? You're the expert. Oh, put it. Oh, put it on screen again. You get my firearms examining firearms devices yeah. out here. Uh, it, it looks like a. Oh, I, I got to zoom in to be able to tell for sure. Okay, maybe it's not a foot larger than her. No, but she. It's like six, six inches. She's car- yeah. She's her. carrying it normally, <laughs> and the barrel's three inches over her head. She has her yeah. in her hand. Just yeah. Casually yeah, <laughs> or tank, or <laughs> this is like begging to be memed. So, yeah, totally. So meme it, and uh, make sure you put CC. Well, you don't meme it. You just give us the caption. Give the us comments. the caption. Yeah, caption it. All right, Joey, are we organized enough here to to smoke some COVID vitamins? Yeah. We do, we do have a couple of mental health stories today. We are going to get to. They are important. Uh, one about Wobot. And one about uh, 9-11 responding differently to mental health crises. And it's like about goddamn time. So I'm, I'm uh, really glad Mercedes found this story for us. This is um, from yesterday, uh, CBS News. So we're going we're gonna to come back to this. But first, let's, uh, let's take some COVID vitamins and uh, dispense some misleading medical information, shall we? One of the most insidious techniques that government is using and the conspiracy of conspiracies is employing during this whole COVID crisis is deliberate confusion. And it's okay for them to get away with lying, right? I mean, it's not okay, but I mean, like, it's, it's small potatoes for them. Like, they've, they've already engineered the system. You know, people can lie and get reelected to office, and, and it's never a problem. I mean, it's rarely. I, I, you know, I, I almost even want to take that back because it's becoming more and more of a challenge for politicians to get away with lying the way they used to. In the age of the internet, I used to talk about John McCain as the classic example of this, like a guy who got elected to office before the internet, and then I was like, "Oh shit!" Now I gotta, now I gotta. They're gonna make YouTube videos of me saying one thing one day and another thing the next. The thing with the vaccines right now and COVID in general, it is this giant complex issue, and and it is a new threat being raised by government that, that we're supposed to be afraid of, according to them, right? Uh, I I would hope you would be able to decide what to be afraid of for yourself or at least take Churchill's advice, you know, nothing to fear, but fear itself. So stop being afraid. doesn't help anything to be afraid, but they know that we are manipulatable through that fear. And confusion is something else to be afraid of in and of itself. I mean, I'm afraid of death, right? Like, 
but I'm I'm more afraid of living confused my whole life and then dying. Wouldn't that be a terrible fate? And government gives us that in spades. And now it's about COVID and the vaccine. And it's this giant abstract uh, thing that we have to view through the lens of the media. I mean, did you, did, have you ever seen the vaccine? Have, have you seen? Oh, we well, saw the, the, the digital recreation of it, the, the, the 3D drawing. Did, have you ever seen, you know, have you seen someone, uh, have you seen thousands of people die in the vaccine? You don't see these things. These are things that are given to you that you have a sense of through the media, through people relaying that information who always have some kind of bias. I mean, I have one. I don't pretend like there's no such thing as objective media. There's no such thing as objective news. That's ridiculous. So when it comes to the excuses already that I'm seeing to be a Karen, a petty tyrant, to fire people, to exclude people, to print $1.9 trillion, Whatever you're using COVID as the excuse for, I fear that in the long term, it's going to be something that people have a hard time admitting they were wrong about. And I, I mean, I understand it. Can't blame them. It's it's not fun. I mean, I, I guess you know. I kind of want to. I I think the better way to admit that you're wrong is to find out a way to make it fun. Like, oh shit, I was wrong. Well, this is fun. I get to figure out like why I was wrong and like. What was what, what was and I get to improve the function of my brain and live better because now I'm less wrong about things. That'd be nice. But the excuses are going to be around are, are going to sound like oh well, it was out of an abundance of caution that we enforced mask policy the way that we did, and we understand that yes, you can point to these longitudinal statistics now that show there was a generation of children traumatized by their experience with COVID unnecessarily. Oh, yes, you can show that there's, there's a, 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 a stunting of education and growth for children who were forced to stay at home during this time. But it was worth it. We didn't, I was, it was, we didn't know. And then, okay, so you know, maybe we screwed up. Well, maybe the cure was just, a, I, I don't really agree with it. Just a little bit worse than the disease, but it was, we didn't know. We, we did what we had to, and we were proud of how we responded. And that's, do you see that? That's the dark side of humanity responding to what it's doing now. In hindsight, I hope just a year or two from now. So bringing it back to the present, because the current question that I think is most relevant for me and for the audience is, you know, is, is the vaccine and navigating the policies around them, right? Do you get the vaccine or not? Do you get a passport? Do you get permission to whatever? You know, <laughs> Joey and I... We, we went into a store the other day and someone said, hey, are you guys vaccinated? Because we weren't wearing masks. Staff was wearing masks. And they just asked, are you vaccinated? They did not specify. There's, there's, there's a lot of token compliance, too, which is really kind of sad because the people going along with the token compliance do so, not realizing the negative impact of what they're doing and creating this environment and feeding into this hysteria. But I get it. Hey, the store says, the corporate headquarters say, well, no, if someone says they're vaccinated, you can let them walk around the store without a mask. I mean, that was the only place we ran into that. And that was that was in Vegas. I'm not even going to mention the store because I don't want to, like, it, I don't want to draw unnecessary scrutiny to that store, those individuals. But no, they were told, other than, hey, are you guys vaccinated? Yeah, I'm, I was in the Marines. I'm so vaccinated that I glow in the dark. You know, yeah, okay, cool. You don't have to wear a mask now. 
Yeah. Uh, Joey, how many vaccines have you had in your lifetime? I don't know. More than a few dozen. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Just of course, I'm back. Mainstream modern American healthcare. You got all the shots as a kid. Okay. But now we look to the COVID vaccine itself. And should you take it? And 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 my position remains unchanged. And and that's I'm, I want to be keeping up with current events to make sure that if this changes, that I should let y'all know that there's something else that's entered into my calculus to say, hey, policy is different. Now, when I say my my policy, it's if you have a good reason to take it, if it is essential to make your job, your life somehow easier. Uh, if you've done the research on a vaccine and feel safe with that one being the safest one for you based on your medical history, or you've assessed the risks, you've made an educated choice, and you don't plan on having kids. If those things are true, and you're, you, know, you, you can weather the, the possible side effect, um, yeah, get the vaccine. It's not that big a deal. Like they're yes, they're they're they could be, they could and, and there is there is like so when I talk about spectrum of vaccines perspectives, that's what I'm going to look. That's this is what we're talking about today, because I'm not here to say I'm an expert, I'm a doctor or or biomedical researcher like um, like Dr. Mary Ruard who we interviewed last week. Let's see, Maddie Fatty weighs in. My sister lost her unborn baby a day after vaccine. Shannon, you were downplaying what's going on. Wow. Okay. Well, see, I'm not, and, and I, I, I appreciate the, the shame on you part here. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let me address that. Am I downplaying what's going on with the vaccines? No, not at all. Um, and, and, and I uh, would say that what Dr. Mary Ruert told us last week, uh, that there were about 4,200 uh, vaccine related deaths reported in the vaccine adverse reaction system, the federal, whatever, you know, not, not very effective system. And what she pointed out that was so important, is that we don't know what that real number might be. Because when you look at past vaccines where we know the adverse event reaction rates from actual long-term you know, studies that are as thorough as, as modern medicine can muster, the reporting rate is somewhere between one in 10 and one in 100. And that's really, I mean, if, that, if, if we go, that's the trend. It means that number of 4,200, it is, I mean, if, it, at least 42,000. Still not as many as died as the vaccine or died from the from the, the virus itself, allegedly. Although I would say now we're we're kind of ballpark, right? And yeah, like a, it could be a year's worth of flu deaths. Uh, God, old 55, we don't know long-term risks. Then we're in the infancy stages of testing. That's what I say. That's what I'm saying. If you don't, only if you don't want to have kids, um, you know, and, and you can make that health, sacrifice decision for yourself uh but other than that i mean I'm, I'm setting i'm setting the bar pretty high when i think about this for a second when i say you have done your research you have a compelling reason and it doesn't conflict with your health history and you don't want to have kids in the future what how much of the population am i saying actually like, should get the vaccine essentially zero zero uh, but should get the vaccine because well, what's a compelling reason, right? Your job tells you to, and you have no other options of jobs in your entire existence. Which means you fucked up to be in that situation. But I, I hey, let's, let's put it like this, Joey. You dealt with this with your custody shit, 
And this is a real pressure that real people are facing, which is why I have to say, like, put the vaccine in perspective. I'm not going to dishonestly fear monger on this and be like, oh, be afraid of vaccine. There's no reason to ever take it. But like, for your kid's custody, would you take the vaccine if you find yourself in that situation? Fuck yeah. Yeah, I took a bunch of drugs that yeah. for that. Yeah, and then you think for your, what if it what if it's you know and, and let's give sympathy for the cogs here. You got a nine to five, you got a mortgage, you got a wife or husband, kids in school, and if you lose your job, that'll fall apart. I would say you fucked up by becoming that dependent on the man, right? If you if you went that way with the rules. You fucked up. But now that you find yourself in, the, in that situation, should you take the vaccine? Probably. If you can do it safely. If you can't do it safely, then see what you can do to fight to play your medical you know, considerations, right? McMaster 4848. By the way, Norway is really good at vaccine reporting on adverse reactions. Oh, here we go. AstraZeneca clotting is about one in 20,000, according to them. So there you go. So uh, if it's 10 to 1, so that, that 4,200. Would look at like base risks and again. The, this is the thing that the uncertainty, and this is what I'm, you guys are helping me get to my point here. Mega Man X for Norris that vaccine is more dangerous than COVID. Okay, so it's on that scale, but hey, more dangerous than COVID. It's <laughs> still not that dangerous. Like you have more of a risk from being thoughtless about your food habits, your sleep and exercise routine than either COVID or the vaccine. I'm almost embarrassed that we're not talking about, the, like I'm not talking to my audience about like how to lift weights and be healthy more effectively. Instead of like, should you make this one health decision? But there, it, there's a lot of pressure on it, right? COVID is no worse than flu. I for two weeks. In fact, it is used to coerce injection is insane. Yes, absolutely, absolutely with you there. But now here's the thing. We say less dangerous or worse than the, the flu. From your own experience, I mean, two weeks. I mean, I I don't even get the flu. Like I, I and I like I would get colds and like because of my allergies, like upper respiratory stuff occasionally. But like an actual flu, like full respiratory or or like even body symptoms, like what we have traditionally thought of as the flu. Like, and I I used to travel and tour. I still travel a lot, I guess. But I used to tour like and shake hundreds of strangers' hands every day. And not get sick, not like okay, whatever. If I got someone with the flu, which is like a day or two in pass. Uh, but the thing is, you can't make that statement yet. And that should piss you the fuck off that you cannot make a statement to say COVID is more dangerous or less dangerous than the flu. It should really piss you off because this is another, this is where I'm saying a spectrum of perspectives and the deliberate confusion here and how you have to sort through this for yourself when you see. There are some people saying, hey, the vaccine is totally safe. And some people saying the vaccine will kill you and make you infertile in a few years. Oh, shit. Well, hey, maybe you should follow Adam's advice and just fucking wait if you can. Because being susceptible to, I've heard people say, you know, like I'm susceptible to COVID because I'm old or I'm immunocompromised. Well, then practice hygienic isolation. It's way safer than getting the vaccine. To me, that's not a compelling reason. Real lawyer, autoimmune dependent enhancements, real thing, vaccinated will die soon. Real lawyer. You know, there, there, there are a lot of fear mongers around this right now who are going to be discredited, and I will not be among them. There are a lot of people, right? And, and, and it is, I understand there's a really compelling motivation to scare people about the vaccines when the establishment 
is scaring people about a virus. And we want to say, no, don't be afraid of that. And they say, well, take the vaccine. You shouldn't be afraid. And we say, well, be afraid of that. It's like, no, you don't have to be afraid of the vaccine. Be afraid of the social pressure around it. Be afraid of the bullying. Be afraid of potential side effects for your loved ones who don't know better than to wait. And that's that's a scary thing. You know, but we do want to protect people. We do want to share this perspective and say, hey, look, enough people have gotten it. There's no urgency at this point. You should wait. And the thing is, this is what I'm what I'm advocating is actually an extremely mainstream perspective by actual public opinion, which we'll come to in this block again. Psychic Jackson, what are what about the veterans that need a medical procedure to live with the VA won't do it unless he or she is vaccinated? Yeah, so that's another example of like just, you know, a really fucked up situation where you go, I I'm dying. I could stop this. I could live if those people help me. The only way they will help me is if I let them put a vaccine in me. And hey, you're going into surgery. I, I want you to think this through in advance, right? Because some people are going to find themselves in this situation in the near future. If you're going into like a life or death situation and the, the people who have been allowed to practice that surgery in your area or wherever you are, are have, have already made their compromise with the system and gone up yeah, this is a vaccine area if you're not vaccinated you come, can't come in uh i mean if you can say you know i've got a medical reason or i've got it what if you can talk your way out of it yeah do that and that's probably better practical advice where it's like how to talk your way out of it say i have a medical exemption and for me it's actually legitimate but anybody could say what i say in, in an emergency Seven sons, vaccine coercion seems like a violation of human rights, whatever the safety level. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's more humane to, to forcibly isolate you and, 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 you know, make you go to a leper's colony if that's what's like going to come out of this, right? But uh, to talk, to, to be able, is this light flickering, dear? It is. It's very weird, isn't it? Is, is it? is it not plugged in? Oh, is it the light bulb? Because we shook it. We're, we're in a hotel room and improvised set here it's ghost i think it's because i was i was hitting the table and the light was flickering anyway back to the important subjects at hand here right so in making that decision if you if you have said okay look i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm willing to defend myself against force or coerced injection by deceit right is to say that uh I, you can lie and it's justified because people are threatening you with unjustified force it's like if someone points a gun at your head and you go, look, an airplane to distract them and then knock the gun out of their hand. You're not like guilty of lying to them because there was no airplane. So similarly, uh, in, in my case, I, I don't mind saying this publicly because it's entirely legitimate and true when it comes to me. I've had severe allergies my entire life. Um, let's just say kind of on and off as, as your immune system grows and fluctuates. And I've had different treatments that have been effective at different times. But I've had to take shots. When I was a kid, uh, I took uh, immunotherapy treatment where they give us a box of syringes, like a, a plastic tray box of syringes with a lid and keep it in the fridge. Or, or do we do it? I don't remember. The, yeah, keep it in the fridge at home. And every week, and I, thought, I felt like a badass. I was like, what, nine, 10 years old? I give myself a shot in the thigh, you know, every other thigh. And that helped. And my, my stuff adjusted. And then uh, a couple of years ago, I did another course of immunotherapy through the VA. Now they don't want you to do the shots at home. I go to the hospital carrying an EpiPen to get a shot and sit there. And um, it's it's uh, really sad. They don't let you do that anymore because, you know, someone had a bad reaction this one time. But that's like whatever it is, 
You want to tell me to take a shot when the medical establishment is telling me that I can't even give myself a shot at home because of the potential allergic reaction with this. Like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately concerned that any of these vaccines, if I'm not tested personally for having an allergic response to all of the potential ingredients, which I don't think is possible when talking about an mRNA vaccine, I don't know, over my head science already, right? But oh, I'm like, no, I'm not. Why would I do it with the, when the risk of COVID is that? And if everybody else is getting the vaccine. So when I say spectrum of perspectives, I'm going to show you that in the news now. We're going to start with the Associated Press to kick off our COVID block headlines. AP heart reaction probe as possible rare vaccine link. This is establishment media, super credible, Associated Press, verified sources. And uh, I wonder about this headline. Are, are they trying to scare you and say heart reaction? We have niche. Now it's official to the mainstream media. There is a potential negative link with the COVID vaccines. Or is it, oh, don't worry, it's rare. And we're looking into this and the mainstream media is on it and the scientists are on it. And so if there's going to be an, if there's going to be an adverse reaction, we're, we're keeping track of it. You're going to know. And it's, it's very rare. So it's totally safe. And you go, well, you could interpret this either way. And this is the danger. This is a, 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 of subjective analysis, the temptation that we all face in looking at the news, of imposing preconceived notions, of bringing in our biases into how we read these headlines. So let's get into the story. Health authorities are trying to determine whether heart inflammation can occur along with many types of infection. It could also be a rare side effect in teens and young adults after the second dose of COVID-19 vaccine. An article on seven U.S. teen boys in several states published online Friday in pediatrics is among the latest reports of heart inflammation discovered after COVID-19 vaccinations, though the length of the vaccine has not been proven. The boys aged 14 to 19 received Pfizer shots in, excuse me, in April or May and developed chest pain within a few days. Heart imaging tests showed a type of heart muscle inflammation called myocarditis. None were critically ill. All were healthy enough to be sent home after two to six days in the hospital and are doing pretty well, said Dr. Priti Jaggi, an every professor infectious disease specialist who co-authored the report. Now, separately, I will say, for given what we know about COVID or what we think we know or what the authorities are telling us about COVID, the risk of young people getting infected or suffering significant side effects from the virus itself is negligible, like statistically negligible, not, not even significant negligible risk for what people under 20 i mean even even under 40 the risk and thankfully i'm in that category uh <laughs> but even uh, is it, it's under it's not the numbers don't creep up and remember we saw the breakdown we haven't looked at this for a long time because this is now just assumed knowledge that we have to keep reminding people of for some reason that the if you, if you look at the, the 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 categories of deaths by age it's like the only significant numbers are you'll start at 60 plus, 70 plus, 80 plus, 90 plus. And below that, even for people in their 50s, the numbers are insignificant. But uh, as we know, unfortunately, there are a lot of Americans still in their 50s who uh, have aged like someone in their 60s or 70s because they don't take care of themselves and are more vulnerable and their immune systems are weaker as a result. And still, the number didn't creep down into that demographic. But when you get into like the under 20 demographic, it's, Undetectable, essentially. 
They've even said that schools aren't vectors for transmission because kids don't get the virus in a way that they're symptomatic, as they are with so many other viruses, so many other bacterial infections where they're sneezing, coughing, whatever, wiping boogers. What do kids do with boogers these days? You still like spit them through straws and like flick them at each other. Do they eat boogers? Is that a thing? Kids eat boogers, boogers, right? Kids eat boogers. Um, Humans eat boogers. So what is this that we're doing as a society to our kids by saying, oh, well, now we're giving them the vaccine. That adults, rather than wash their fucking hands and be careful with their hygiene, would rather inject their kids and grandkids with an experimental vaccine. Now, if there was a compelling reason, again, like the experimental vaccine is like not that dangerous. I'm not trying to fear monger about the vaccine, at least from what we know right now. Could be some who knows what long-term health effects. But uh, it's not like, hey, rather than maybe die, we're going to give our kids this experimental vaccine. It's like rather than wash our hands and be hygiene conscious as we should have been about the flu all these years anyway, rather than do that, let's inject our kids with this shit. And now it's not that simple because no one's consciously saying that. It's the super class, the string pullers, the policymakers, the executives of Big Pharma, who pull the strings for politicians, who are deter- who are determining this policy and misleading you about these basic facts and, and hiding this perspective. Sarah Golden, there's something like 5,000 deaths in Harvard study proved VAERS only reports 1% for you to say that's fear-mongering doing the same thing as CNN. No, because I'm going based on what, what uh, well, see, it's funny because the CNN would say that what I'm doing now is still in the category. Anything that's not, anything that's out of the orthodoxy is like, it's fear mongering about the vaccine. People will like, uh, a, like information. Tell, my brother would watch this episode and be like, Adam, you're, you're really, you're really laying on the vaccine feel pretty thick there, bro. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm going by what, uh, what we talked about with um, uh, Dr. Mary Ruert uh, last week. And she's a biomedical researcher, and she's done a lot of stuff already in exposing this in this analysis. And she's cautious, but she's angry. Maybe not as angry as I am. And yet, yeah, you should be pissed off that there's this much uncertainty, that there's this much of a margin we have to look. Like when you say, how dangerous is the virus and how dangerous is the vaccine? You don't get to say with certainty, it's here, it's here. You can draw a bell curve of possibilities. So let's get back to, back to the bell curve of possibilities and try to draw with the vaccine, right? Because we don't know. And when she said there's 4,200 deaths in VAERS, and you said that, yes, there's a harbor says there's only 1%. That means that for, for deaths specifically, it's not that bad, but it's between 1 in 10 and 100. It could be as bad as that historically. So it could be that that 4,200 dead reported from the vaccines in bears right now is actually 420,000. Yeah. And that would be a lot. But as has been pointed out, there are other countries with vaccine reporting systems that are better than in the United States. No. And it's not like in one country, they're uh, they're acknowledging that everybody's dying. So I have a hard time believing it's that bad right now. Now, the, to see, the scary thing is that doesn't discount the possibility of people dying later and being able to prove 
that it's connected to the vaccine statistically, chronologically, by what have you analysis. But as uh, Dr. Ruwer acknowledged, I was admitted, because we're not trying to make you afraid of the vaccine. If the vaccine was safe, we would say just then don't force it on people and don't make me pay for it. But the safety is an issue and it is something they have lied about over and over and over again. Why would we expect that these people are suddenly being truthful? But as she says, that 4,200, it could also be overreported. There's a slight possibility, and that would take it down from maybe one in 10 to, you know, one in five or one in two. And you go, well, all right. Then even if, you know, only a fraction of what they've said have died from the virus, actually died from the virus. And we know that it's it's some fraction. It's not both. We know that that number is inflated. We've seen the inflation of that number. Lots of reasons to inflate that number. No shit. You have to go down from what is that in doing this analysis. So to the next perspective, because this is this is the relatively mainstream perspective. It's like okay, you know, there's there's it's it's happened. There's you know, blood clotting is a thing, and myocarditis is a thing, and even in in you know, young boys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's uh, a spectrum of possibilities you have to look at. So let's go to the next one. When you see who's hiding what, like the, the people telling you to be afraid of the vaccine, or as I wouldn't say be afraid of the vaccine, say be cautious about the vaccine. And be, uh, that's, that's you know, my, if you say be afraid of it. No, I'm not trying to make you, afraid. you shouldn't be afraid of anything. Be afraid of government. You're going to be afraid of something. There. Yeah. Knowledge, legitimate fear. Be afraid of the vaccine? No. Be afraid of the virus? No. Don't be afraid of either of them. Be afraid of people using that to manipulate you, to fuck you over and continue to exploit you and lie to you as they have historically in all these major institutions of society as we know them today. Is that, is that controversial even? <laughs> Adam versus the man is boring now, right? Like You're going to be afraid of the vaccine. Be afraid because you're afraid, not because somebody told you to be, right? That's Well, I am. I mean, I... I I am afraid that if I were somehow pushed or bullied or coerced into getting the vaccine, that I might have a significant allergic reaction. I am afraid that there might be some long-term effects of the vaccine that we don't know about. And basically, we should stop taking it as soon as we're at some point of herd immunity. Like, we both shouldn't be 100% vaccination. It should be, hey, let's mac- let's vaccinate priority-wise for herd immunity and and, you know, actually... And I know you debate the idea of herd immunity, but you know what I mean in the sense that whether you want to call it that or not, when you get to a certain number of people being vaccinated, then the virus isn't active in society and doesn't matter if the last few people are vaccinated. For example, if we had a virus that uh, where, where the vaccine was dangerous to old people, and you say, hey, young people need to go get this vaccine to protect old people so that they don't have to get the vaccine. But you don't hear any, any caution and scaling. No, it's people are making money. 100% vaccination is the goal. All right. So to the censorship issue, aside from everything that, you know, we've experienced here with Adam versus the man and on YouTube and people, it's just uh, anything that is you know, misleading medical advice or information that might fall at, might lead people to be less obedient. That's, that's, I'm not, I'm not real. I'm summarizing. That's not even translating. It's when we got censored on YouTube, it was for misleading medical information because it may lead people to be less likely to follow the advice 
of the World Health Organization and local health authorities. Okay, so it's anything that makes you less compliant, less obedient. That that's what YouTube has decided is against their policy. So, um, IndiaToday.in mRNA technology pioneer says COVID nineteen vaccinated people can shed spike protein. Twitter says delete this. Yeah, of course, Twitter in on the game. One of the pioneers of mRNA technology, Luigi Warren's Twitter account has been suspended for now. And just can shed spike protein. That's not even, I mean, this is challenging corporate orthodoxy for a particular product that they are pushing on people. Luigi Warren tweeted that people vaccinated with mRNA-based vaccine can shed spike proteins. He added that the shedding is in minuscule amounts and hence cannot harm anyone. Twitter suspended his account on accounts of the tweet violating the rules. Now here, I think, like, this is this is pretty mainstream. This is like serving the mainstream narrative. Like, yes, the shedding is real, but it's harmless. Now, I have a hard time believing that it's perfectly harmless if you're actually shedding viral fragments, but if it's, like, insignificant, if it's, like, I mean, you get the vaccine. If I lick the inside of your mouth thoroughly the next day, I might show some spike protein in me. Like, and that's the risk. Okay. But if, if, if it's something that women are picking up on, as we know, pheromones and blood clotting and, and the, 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 one of the rumors, and it's still sort of in the, in the like, the, it, the rumor is that vaccine shedding can cause women bleeding and blood clotting issues associated with normal woman stuff you know and it's only at the point like is it happening is it being reported yeah that's a real thing is it psychosomatic is it possibly just something else entirely yeah that's why i say it's just a rumor at this point we can't confirm whether or not that's a significant side effect but it is one of those that i am concerned about and it fucking pisses me off that we don't know for sure i'm not i'm not looking to be pissed off i'm looking like hey can we have more we have better reporting. We're capable of better than this. We, uh, this. This virus has been out there studied for a year and a half, and, and there's still so many unknowns about it. I mm, No, there's a massive manipulation of the information. So social media majors have been enduring a struggle against misinformation spread through their platforms for since long. As a coping mechanism, they have increasingly started to flag such fake information to their audience. However, this fact check does not always turn out to be as effective as it means to be. So in, in this case, uh, there was, there had to have been some uh, human oversight. I don't know, is this an algorithm that catches these things now? But they said uh, they gave them the option to remove it and appeal the violation. And, and I, I hate even talking about that shit. People say, well, Adam, you got a video. Why don't you appeal to YouTube? Because I want to make videos. I don't want to be in the business of constantly appealing to YouTube. It sounds like a fucking nightmare. And what they're revealing is these platforms. And I, 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 don't, I, I don't want to condemn necessarily Jack Dorsey himself, the owner of Twitter, right, founder, whatever, CEO. Um, because who knows what duress he's under. We live in a world where governments can get away with some horrific threats behind the scenes, legal threats, right? Oh, well, if you don't, if you don't do what we say, 
we're just we're going to shut down your business. We're going to we're going to you know because the average American commits three felonies a day. I mean, the average American corporation is completely under the thumb of the American legal system. They can be manipulated at any time. But these platforms, uh, do you blame Zuckerberg? Or do the Clintons have a gun to his head? There's some interesting theories there. Yeah, certainly someone is culpable somewhere at that level. And and I think in, in the case of, uh, uh, of Mark Zuckerberg, he's got his, you know, he, knows, he knows what he's doing. But even then, it doesn't matter. These are not censorship-resistant platforms. How do we get past that? How do we feed that? Nicholas Canada, they want... No more organic, free-range humans. Yeah, well, too late for me on that one, right? Um, but I can go free. I won't be. I'll never be organic. <laughs> but I can go free-range. I like the use of free-range. Like it. Re- free-range free humans. Free speaking. Free, free-range. Well, it's like in the Matrix. There were the people who were born outside the Matrix, who, who didn't have the thing, and then the there were like plug the in the back of their head. Yeah. Yeah, free range humans, all organic, naturally grown. But even in that world, in a ground, in a world of underground pollution, no, I don't think so. Um, so yeah, anyway, to the social media thing, what is being covered up? Who on what side of this debate, a debate spectrum of possibilities? I mean, false debate intended to set you up for confusion, perhaps. From the the vaccine is totally safe side to the vaccine will kill you tomorrow side. Who's who's being censored? Who has a history of lying? Let's come back to that. The Defender, childrenshealthdefense.org, not even the most of mainstream, possibly fear-mongering here. We go a little bit more down the rabbit hole. We made a big mistake. COVID vaccine spike protein travels from injection site can cause organ damage. Research obtained by a group of scientists shows the COVID vaccine spike protein can travel from the injection site and accumulate in organs and tissues, including the spleen, bone marrow, the liver, adrenal glands, and in quite high concentrations in the ovaries. Well, there's a lot of big words in that subheadline. That sounds very scary. COVID vaccine researchers have previously, previously assumed mRNA COVID vaccines would behave like traditional vaccines. The vaccines spike protein responsible for infection and its most severe symptoms would remain mostly in the injection site of shoulder, muscle, or local lymph node. Now, I'm not a medical researcher. I'm not an expert. I don't really care to be. I put this on Twitter as a potential smoking gun. Is this, is this a smoking gun? And there were debates about, well, the vaccine this, the vaccine that, and people not saying which vaccine they're even talking about. But this is Dr. Uh, Byron Bridal, viral immunologist, associate professor at University of Guelph, Ontario. Quote, we thought the spike protein was a great target antigen. We never knew the spike protein itself was a toxin and was a pathogenic protein. So by vaccinating people, we are inadvertently inoculating them with a toxin. Now, often wording like this will be presented to people who have a bias towards being afraid of government with an intention of letting your imagination run wild. We're inoculating them with a toxin. They want you to think that means inherently we're poisoning them. 
But no, inoculating with a toxin might be a good thing medically. It still this doesn't change the experience that we're having, the statistics right now. But we made a big mistake potentially by going ahead with this. I think we made the bigger mistake by overblowing the COVID threat to the point where pushing vaccines is this mainstream thing as opposed to just something on the side that people can be concerned with if they feel the need to. That was the big mistake, you know, like way, way back down this chain of events. But this concept, this is really interesting. Bridal was awarded a $230,000 grant by the Canadian government last year for research on COVID vaccine development. Said he and a group of international scientists filed a request for information from the Japanese regulatory agency to get access to Pfizer's biodistribution study. Biodistribution studies are used to determine where an injected compound travels in the body in which tissue or organs accumulates in. As Bridal said, quote, it's the first time ever scientists have been privy to seeing where these messenger RNA vaccines go after vaccination. Is it a safe assumption that it stays in the shoulder muscle? The short answer is absolutely not. It's very disconcerting. But again, none of this changes my basic parameters of analysis. Because one of the criteria is that if you're going to get the vaccine, do the research on the vaccine you're getting. Find credible sources who have reviewed the actual studies that have been done the, the, and, and, and verify that these are legitimate sources. Before you let the government put something in your body, okay? Seems like a very reasonable perspective that a lot of Americans are embracing, actually, and more than they would want you to believe. The Washington Post with this headline from MSN.com, vaccination rates fall off, imperiling Biden's July 4th goal. Plummeting vaccination rates have turned what officials hope to be the last mile of the coronavirus immunization campaign into a marathon, threatening President Biden's goal of getting shots to at least 70% of adults by July 4th. Yeah, they're not even going to get to 70%. The United States is averaging fewer than 1 million shots per day. So That's a fuck ton of shots. How many shots? A fuck ton. At least a fuck ton and a half. A decline of more than two-thirds from the peak of 3.4 million in April. Did I say per month? That's per day. One million shots per day. Oh, per day. Did I say per month? One million shots per day. Yeah, anyway. 3.4 million shots per day in April, according to the Washington Post seven-day analysis, even though all adults and children over age 12 are now eligible. I want to say, I want to take a moment to say, fuck the Washington Post. Fuck you. You're, this is what you're tracking. You're also the ones tracking police deaths, also police shootings. Those died in front, killed from drone strikes, deaths due to pharmaceutical industry malpractice. No. Let's put these numbers. You're journalists. Society has one way or another, I guess, in your case, through buying stuff on Amazon to make Jeff Bezos rich so that he could buy the Washington Post. Somehow, one way or another, society is deemed that you are worthy of these journalistic resources. And you're tracking daily rates of vaccine shots so that Biden can meet his July 4th goal of 70%. And we may, or, or if he fails, we can make that important. Gary Espinosa, without vaccines, we would all be fine. Big pharmaceutical companies are trying to make up their losses. Their losses. 
losses. People are not getting. They don't have any losses. They they, they only they have they have yeah they have well there's no bailouts they don't need it but they have they they have periods of greater theft and lesser theft. There's no losses. Um, because what they've done, I mean, really, what they've done is stolen with the intellectual property racket and corporatism. They have stolen uh, humanity's ability to make good medicine that serves the people, and they have used government to prevent people from pursuing that option. So, yeah, in terms of big pharma, even when they're making good drugs that that do good things, their very existence, as we know it, is criminal. Even though all adults and children over age 12 are now eligible. Small armies, if they, if they thought it was safe. For free, and they give them out the mall, remember? Yeah, yeah. We thought, our driver yesterday was uh, Iraqi, living in the United States six years. You would think that guy would know not to trust the government, but for him, driving with with, uh, with Lyft, just eat it, and you got the vaccine, makes it, and I... I would not, I mean, if your job depends on it, it makes your life significantly easier. Um, if your job, if your employer is, is mandating or, or requiring or bullying you or threatening to fire you for not getting the vaccine, you should fucking quit. Yeah. I don't mean like a rage quit tomorrow, but find a way to get the fuck away from jobs like that. Uh, I guarantee you'll be happier. Small armies of health workers and volunteers often outnumber the people showing up to get shots at clinics around the country. From drive from a drive-through site in Chattanooga, Tennessee, to a gymnasium in Provo, Utah, or a park in Raleigh, North Carolina. Sounds like a really bad party. The slowdown is national, with every state down at least two-thirds from its peak, and particularly felt across the South and Midwest. Twelve states, including Utah, Oklahoma, Montana, the Dakotas, and West Virginia, have seen vaccinations fall below 15 daily shots for 10,000 residents. Alabama just had four people per 10,000 residents get vaccinated last week. They're tracking it on a state by state. Like this is made, this, this whole vaccine has turned a lot of people into chart nerds. But the picture very, and, and, and it's, it's not that they're chart nerds, it's that they think that they're, they're chart suckers. Remember, 867.5309% of all statistics are made up bullshit designed to manipulate you. And if people are throwing graph and graph and graph at you one after another, and and you you go, you're the graphs might all be real and accurate and sure, but why are you looking at graphs of this instead of something else? So something more meaningful or relevant. So the picture varies considerably across the country. Thirteen mostly east and west coast states have already vaccinated seventy percent of adult residents. And another 15 states plus the district are over 60% and will likely reach Biden's goal. The rest are lagging behind. Tennessee and five other states are 50% or below in vaccinating at such low rates that meeting the president's threshold is very unlikely. The steep decline began in mid-April, coinciding with federal officials' temporary suspension of the Johnson Johnson vaccine while they probe rare blood clotting reactions. Even if the shot is unsafe, they accidentally put out one that was not safe enough to be unsafe and widely distributed for their racket. That was a pretty big wake-up call, apparently, for a lot of people. But I think there's something even more to it than that. It wasn't just, oh, the Johnson & Johnson one is doing that. Yeah, we kind of suspected something was going to happen. But that there were only a certain number of people who were 
pathetically lined up eager to get the vaccine. Now, fortunately, they paved the way for the rest of us to not have to get it, even according to their own reasoning. Gallup.com, COVID-19 vaccine reluctant in the U.S., likely to stay that way. In the United States, 64% vaccinated, 12% plan to be. 78% of those not planning to get vaccinated are unlikely to change their mind. Um, I mean, what are the odds for me of like having a compelling reason to get the COVID vaccine? Yeah, pretty unlikely. So I am in that uh, 78% there. 76, that's 78% of those not planning to get vaccinated. 76% of U.S. adults say they have been vaccinated or plan to be. That's have or plan to be. A number that has been stable over the past three months, but is higher than in late 2020 and early 21. Because they fear faded. And uh, now they're showing statistically that there is a significant chunk of us. 24% do not plan to be vaccinated. Among those not planning to be vaccinated, 70%, 78 say they are unlikely to reconsider Although, including 51% who say they are not likely at all to change their mind and get vaccinated. And you wonder, you have to subtract people like me who, according to, like, who aren't doing it. Like, well, I mean, I have multiple reasons, but like, I have people who would get the vaccine. I wouldn't get the vaccine if it wasn't for my medical condition, for severe allergies. But for some people, that is the case where it's like, well, I'd get it if I didn't have a medical condition. And now they're demonizing those people as not compliant enough. That, that should tell you something, right? Now, the Chicago Tribune, also MSN.com, has this headline. Many long-haul COVID-19 patients report improvements after vaccination. Surprising experts. And it, it usually, they, they, they start this story with uh, the, the story of Wendy French of Northwest Suburban Lake in the hills. Used to run 10 miles a day, several times a week before she got COVID-19 in September, which left her fatigued and suffering from a variety of symptoms for months after the virus was supposedly gone. The previously healthy 45-year-old stopped running and even began dreading typical household chores, such as doing laundry because it required standing up for so long that she grew tired. But after French got her first dose of the Pfizer vaccine in mid-April, she described feeling healthy for the first time in more than seven months. The second dose in May brought greater improvement to her health. And the one thing that's not being talked about here, and I see this especially in the long haulers in cases like this, is um, what these people are really suffering from is hypochondria. Uh, now I feel like I, before I try to explain hypochondria and my, yep, they're imagining this shit, okay? A hypochondriac. Let's see, should we define hypochondriac by Google or hypochondriac? Uh, hypochondriac is a person who's abnormally anxious about their health. Hypochondria, specifically, uh, illness, anxiety disorder, abnormal anxiety about one's health, especially with an unwarranted fear that one has a serious disease. But there's there's actually more to it than that. Because uh, let, let's go to, how about, let's see, hypochondria or hypochondriasis, uh, hypochondriasis, from Wikipedia, a condition in which a person is excessively unduly worried about having a serious illness and old concept, the mean of hypochondria has repeatedly changed, has been claimed that this debilitating condition results from an inaccurate perception of the condition of body or mind despite the absence of an actual medical diagnosis. 
But the thing about hypochondria is that it can lead people to imagine that they have a disease. And they can believe that they have a disease. And there are other scientific terms for what I'm describing here. I thought the, I thought the definition of hypochondria, maybe they, this is one of those words they subtly changed the definition of over the years to set this up. Because they don't want, the, the medical industry doesn't want to acknowledge hypochondria as a, as a cause of legitimate disease. I mean, you can, if, if you can fake something, your brain can fool you into something. There can be people with such a severe psychological detachment that they will uh, imagine symptoms for themselves. And, I, and I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this is not something that I'm immune to. Because remember, Joey, when we were traveling at the beginning of this thing, we thought that we had COVID. We were like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to wear a mask in case I might be infecting someone else because I've got this weird respiratory thing. And that was, I'm pretty sure that wasn't COVID now. Mm-hmm. But even then, we go, well, was I tired this morning? Oh, I was a little tired this morning. Could have been a flu symptom, you know? And that creates, a, the thing about this negative mentality, I mean, the most important thing for your health is optimism and positivity and a good attitude. The most important thing. No, I think that that comes after food, oxygen, you know, water and exercise, you know, shelter, clothing, things like that. But um, if you don't have, or if you embrace such a hypochondriac, deliberate negative attitude, you can trick your body into being sick. You're not experiencing physical fatigue, but your mind experiences your body as fatigue. And with these long haulers, when you have the social psychological dynamics built into this of massive fear mongering around the virus, of a special victim class for people who have gotten the virus getting created about the sympathy. Oh, well, your thought, we, we, you, you, do you want thoughts and prayers? Thoughts and prayers? You, you, you too could be a COVID long hauler and get thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Oh. Thoughts and prayers for the rest of your life. Oh, yes. Lots of sympathy. But in terms of the other social effect, the week.com had this headline the pandemic turned us into barbarians. The pandemic, yes. You have to wonder, after a year of playing to largely empty arenas, NBA fans have been welcomed back in larger numbers for the league's playoff games, only to see an alarming number of ugly incidents directed at players. In Philly, a fan dumped popcorn on the Washington Wizards. Russell Westbrook in Boston, another man was arrested after throwing a water bottle to Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving and in Utah, three fans were reportedly banned from the arena after racist taunts were directed at Memphis Grizzlies star John Moran. Fans got to grow up at some point, Brooklyn's Kevin Durant said after the water bottle incident. I know that being in the house for a year and a half with the pandemic got a lot of people on edge, got a lot of people stressed out. When you come to these games, you have to realize these men are human. And, you know, aside from the emphasis on sports here is the analysis. I, I Let's take it as just an indicator because for us to be talking about pro athletes, and feeling sorry for them because they're getting popcorn dumped on their heads as opposed to victims of domestic abuse uh, as a result of the lockdowns. I think we might be missing the point. CNN.com, CMU U.S. hospitals mark first time being COVID-free. Others still see surge of patients. Dr. Rule Magadia and his team all gathered in the basement of their Anison Hospital. Asked Anison Alabama Hospital for a big announcement he was preparing to, preparing to make through the intercom system. That system is usually reserved for emergency codes. But Magadia, an infectious disease specialist at the Northeast Alabama Regional Medical Center, had other plans. 
He was about to share that in a few minutes, the hospital would discharge the last COVID-19 patients from their COVID unit. It was a surreal milestone, he later told CNN, for staff who have been on the front lines of the battle against the virus for more than a year. We were really aiming for some good news after 13, 14 months of horrible news. That moment, we had zero patients. It's an unbelievable feeling. So um, let's see. It's, we are on the hour. We are a little past the hour. I'll take a break just real quick. Check in with Joey in the comments and see, do we have um, our guest? Our guest, Mr. Lauer, was backstage very early for today's show. Is he still, was it just coming into the soundtrack? Is he hanging out? So, hanging out so, hey, let's, we're going to wrap up the COVID block, then get to our guest. We'll wrap up. I think we have just, oh, yes. We need to flash the picture have, once more. Well, Nobody the knows. picture. Yeah, for the caption picture. For the comment, for the comment content. And uh, for those of you who didn't see the picture, put up the link, you can go to t.me. Backslash Adam versus the man to see the picture. There you go. If you miss it, but uh, it's like we know what we're doing. It's crazy, crazy. So one last story here, then we'll check in with the audience for comments. Reuters.com. Here's the punchline. You want to know who's lying to you? Exclusive. Blackwater founder Prince takes role in COVID vaccine venture. Now, I know a lot of you don't understand why this is so important to me. Why this is so important to the story and understanding it. Blackwater, the mercenary group, the private security firm doing business in Iraq and Afghanistan around the global war on terror, making hundreds of millions of dollars, first as Blackwater, then because of the massacre that they were responsible for in Iraq, they had to change their name to Z as an XIZ, the security company. And if you want to know who's lying to you now, all you have to do is think back to who was lying us into the war in Iraq. And now this headline ties it together because we see who is profiteering. Well, what do you fucking know? Eric Prince, the founder of controversial private military firm Blackwater and a supporter of former President Donald Trump jumped into the COVID-19 business late last year with a deal to distribute an experimental vaccine should it be approved, according to three people familiar with the arrangement. <coughs> excuse me. And business records. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I must need some. It's, 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 just, a little, it's just a touch of COVID. <coughs> Do I need more COVID vaccines or less COVID vaccines? This will make you feel better. More, this will make me feel better. because I don't know if I can even go on with the story. I mean, there's even a branding dispute. Privately, uh, privately held U.S. firm called Covax. That's Covax with two X's. Covax is unrelated to the similar standard of better known Covax, a global vaccine distribution program backed by the World Health Organization with one X. Is it a conspiracy? No, it is a conspiracy of conspiracies. And now, yeah, Eric Prince is getting in on the racket. I'm not surprised. Makes me need some COVID vaccine. Excuse me. Makes me uh, need some COVID vitamins with which to wrap up our block today.
ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is. Oh wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before I introduce the guest, we want to take the comments. We have caption contest entries. No, I was nothing. That was, that was a motion at my computer. That was oh, that was a bad <laughs> comment popping up. But no, I meant to do comments first. Oh. We're still getting to Greg early. So do we have? There's no no entries. entries. There's a comment contest, unfortunately. Jim, get of, all right. Well, outside of Ed this morning, <laughs> which I like, but. You know. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Getting that picture up on screen one more time. Granny with an AR through a parking lot in front of a big black pickup truck with her keys like she's looking for a car. Vehicle. Uh, we, don't, we don't know what she's driving yet. Well, it's, it's probably a tank. I would assume. Based, on the, based on her tactical posture and the menacing way in which she is carrying that that firearm, I, I, I bet that's a grandma who drives a tank. She might town. be avoiding the back. Yeah, right. We're trying to not have It's a good way. I, I mean, if you live in a place where open carry is the thing, and you don't want to wear a mask because you don't want to compromise your health, health for stupid bullshit. Um, I doubt people with an AR strap to their chests get asked to put on masks very often. We're just going to assume that you have a medical exemption, sir. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, if there are no captions. We, we're going to turn this back to the audience. Please give us your captions for this picture in your comments. You don't have to go make the meme and send it to us. No, we'll, we'll do that later, probably. Contest winner will get made into a meme for the Adam versus the man screen for tomorrow. So with credit, with credit of course, with always credit. credit. Um, so yes, caption it is the con comment contest of the day. Um, and uh, what is else? Uh, oh, Ed Vallejo, our guest booker and co-hosting captain weighing in uh, in one of our private telegram chats and we have great libertarian party guests all lined up for the week. So that's very exciting. Uh, Devens and W caption. I've got muzzle velocity. Fuckers. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Still, still not as good as that's the last time anybody asks me to wear a mask. Uh, but anyway, I like moose girls <clears throat> just because it makes me think of Saturday mornings with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay I like, I like that be very very quiet I am hunting rabbits but can we can we make it more relevant to the times or the photo like be very very quiet I'm hunting Karens <laughs> that's it we gotta say, and you spell Karens K-A-W-E-N-S so it's it's the, the right transliteration <laughs> that I don't got, but that was, that was good, great, Joey. All right. <laughs> With that, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Libertarian Party of Colorado Campaigns Director Greg Lauer. Sir, thank you for joining us early today and giving you the time to really get into what this role is. But first, to introduce you, uh, you were elected to the state convention in May to this position. Consider yourself, of course, lifelong little L libertarian. Recently joined the party formally, and you've been on city council. We've got, we've got to take the time to get into that and the backstory, how that happened in the relation to your Libertarian Party chronology. Um, do we do we have a like? Are there are there throughout the United States millions of undercover small L Libertarians? You know, working in city council. I think that's a little too optimistic. But Greg might be giving us the formula to achieve something like that. And so now the goal. As the campaigns director, and, and just if I may, Greg, a little background on the LP party affiliates. We have a national party. State affiliates are really the heart and soul of the organization that get things done at the state and county level. And at the state level organization, they often create new positions when they go, well, geez, the Republicans and Democrats have millions of dollars and tons of staff. 
let's be creative with our volunteers and at least give them fancy titles so they, they they're they're more motivated to work hard for free for the party. Is that is that is that kind of along the lines of, of, of how this position came to be, Greg? Uh, we your audio's off. You're being polite and muted on your own controls there. Not hearing you still. No audio from Greg. Could just be StreamYard, could be his thing. Still not hearing him. Greg, you, wait, I did I hear something. Yeah, can you hear me at all now? Ah, now we got you. Leave it, Charlie. Welcome to the show, Greg. So is that more or less how the position of Libertarian Party of Colorado campaigns director came about? Uh, years and years ago, that's how it came Ooh. about. Okay, hold on. Now we got audio, but it is it is it is no stop. Oh, that's not me. Yeah, we're getting audio, but it's totally garbled. Um, Greg, you want to stop back, step backstage with Jim? We'll do one of our grab bag stories. We'll come back to you. All right. So, um, we've got uh, for Mental Health Monday two stories I want to cover, and we'll see we'll see if it if, uh, how long it takes Greg to to get back on uh, on the technicals there. So, dnyuz.com. Something bothering you? Tell it to Wobot. I understand you're experiencing a relationship problem. Is that right? Yes. Okay, I'm delighted that you want to work on this, Kay. Uh, I've got good and bad news for you. Which do you want to hear first? Good news. The good news is I have very powerful skills that I can teach you. These skills have really helped a lot of people build better relationships. And the bad news? The bad news is that you would have to be willing to accept 100% of the responsibility for changing the relationship. Why? Because that's how relationships work, idiot. No, okay, well, as, as Wobot would say, uh, because you're only ever going to be able to have control over your part of it. Good advice. This conversation may sound like a fairly typical therapist session, but in this case, it was directed by Wobot, a therapeutic chatbot with a psychiatrist's couch, swapped for a smartphone screen. Now, I think this is really cool. I think like best application of AI programming, everything that we can talk to something and just we have compartmental, we have made computers smart enough to function as therapists. Now, this isn't some like radical leap in and of itself. I mean, we've devised all sorts of devices and things to be therapeutic at different levels of you know complexity and interaction, but directly therapeutic conversationally, that is the leap in the development here. Now, Joey, do you have any concerns about people using Wobot, this technology, and having perhaps digital therapy assistance? Who's the man behind the curtain? I mean, who who who's who is the Wobot? Is it AI? Is it can I trust that it's AI and it's based on some algorithm that, that I'll be comfortable that it's following, or or can somebody hack it and start exactly start, you know? influencing me to do things I otherwise maybe wouldn't do. Exactly. Kind of like Facebook does. <gasps> what? Wow. Okay. But the technology, Joey raises the, the this big appropriate fear in this case, right? I mean, you're telling your deepest, deepest dark, darkest secrets to an app. Remember we covered this. It was, it was, was it Sweden? There was a, it was one of the it was it was in one of the Nordic countries had 
a national health program that had all of their therapists digitize and upload their notes so they could be shared. So someone went from one therapist to another, and that's that's sort of a legitimate function, right? I mean, you would think like, hey, if, if I'm giving you therapy and you go, hey, Adam, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go talk to some other counselor because I'm moving and I can't hang out with you every day. I mean, even if I was coaching you with the gym, yeah, you know, I might say to your next, you know, personal trainer, hey, she uh, she really responds well to this. She needs encouragement in this and she needs to work on that, right? But we're not really worried about that as being like revelatory or sensitive information. But if a therapist is saying, oh yeah, you know that thing that happened when she was a kid and you know how she did this thing that got her arrested and you know how she said this fucked up thing about her mom? <laughs> yeah, you can even know about yeah. yeah, but for a psychiatrist, if you're handing off a patient like that, uh, notes aren't notes are the way that they have that conversation. And in, before the digital age, it's not that your notes were really um, more secured, but by nature they were more secure as written notes that would get passed around in records and sometimes scanned and 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 faxed. Remember fax machines? <laughs> the government still uses them, right? Requires you to send a fax for some things. D. Vincent W. Yeah, but ill-willed government agents can listen and there's no doctor-patient confidentiality. Exactly. That is the fundamental transformation of the digital age and medical records. Empty. If it's on the web, it's hackable. Exactly. Exactly. And so here's my takeaway with this. Like I, because I, I use, um, you know, some of the meditation apps, but even that I'm thinking like, is it that that someone could know that I meditated to this theme here, thing there, whatever. Like there is something that to me, like I love my phone as a connection device, but I recognize that that connects me to all the sick elements of society as well. I never developed a meditation practice around any of these apps, except Pandora. <laughs> like I listen to music and, and stretch at the gym. We got a comment on that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, Granny Hemeyer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Granny Hemeyer trying to remember where she parked, 1054. Yeah, That's right. right. That's right. Remember, June, uh, Friday, June 4th, we celebrated as Hemeyer Day. Uh, Killdozer Day as the, the anniversary of uh, the, the death, uh, as we remember um, Mr. Hemeyer, may he rest in peace, for, for launching the Killdozer, which was, I guess we would say, born and died June 4th, uh, 2004. All right, um, just to, to wrap up the segment and get back to our guests, uh, and we do, we do have another story for Mental Health Monday in our grab bag, we'll get to it here. But... Um, be careful using these apps. I'm very optimistic, but I don't think that I will ever feel safe interacting with a therapy app or even a meditation app that, that's that's involving. So like when I use a meditation app, what's the data it gets for me? Just my, I'm using, I'm playing this track at this time. That's, that's it, right? And my demographic. And that, a lot can be extrapolated from that. That's kind of sensitive too, right? And I mean, these apps are not, inherently designed for privacy and they're inherently designed to be hacks that they, they weren't hackable government wouldn't really let them exist in the first place move with that much money well, well you can't do that without government cracking it but uh, what do you think this is like the, the cocaine 80s uh but no this is in this era i think the potential for this technology 
needs to, to it, this technology needs to be separated from the internet in a sense, in order to realize its potential. I want, if I'm going to talk to a device or an AI chatbot, it better be on an air-gapped device. That's And by that, I mean, like, it's not connected to the internet. Now, it might be safe, like, to say, okay, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get a there. Like, so I'm, I'm thinking there, there might be programs or devices that are going to come out this way that, that people can interact with securely, knowing that there is no transmission capability in the device, right? Like, I have that's reservations about even teleconference. That. I, I, continuous therapy for about two and a half years now. Love my therapist. Highly recommend it to anybody who's on the, the telephone. Yeah. But teleconference, telephone, I'm okay with. If I'm traveling, she'll, she'll call me. I don't know if that's more secure or not, but now since COVID, there's the teleconference. The, the uh, I'm not going to use any particular video action, call, but the video conference, right? Um, and and she's aware that people may have reservations about that, which I do because it's hackable and still leaves. At least I can't speak right in that sense. In, in that sense, uh, a cell phone, uh, not a cell phone using a digital thing unnecessarily. But the cell connection for audio connection, voice conversations, is uh, well, maybe I don't want to say because I'm not a security expert. Maybe more secure than digital stuff that's easily hacked. I would always just go on the assumption that none of my digital communications are guaranteed to be secure. Mm. And in that sense, um, I look forward to the day when you can get the benefit of this technology without the anxiety of oh, I'm connecting to the internet. You have to see it like everything, the whole world is touching your conversation. Stevens and W's audio cassettes with an old tape recorder. I, Hard to get them to talk back. I've, I've tried, I've talked to tape recorders. They never talk back to what me. What about the good old fashioned uh, diary? Why do you need somebody to talk back? Yeah, then, well. You do, but why do you need a computer to talk back? You need a human to talk back if, if you're at that. That stage, and I think the power in this is that most people get most of the benefit from therapy by just talking. Yeah, even to and strangers, you yeah, can answer that right. And it's 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 and this is why creative expression, art, and writing are so important in therapy in general, or as, a, as therapeutic practices, because it's that it's a lot of anxiety, a lot of disease, mental disease, you know, the the, the mental disorders come from inarticulated thoughts or subconscious thoughts or fears that need to simply be examined and analyzed to be put in perspective. And if we never talk, right? I mean, this is this is why humans alone on an island make art and paint faces on volleyballs, right? This, you go, well, why? It, it, it's, it's, it's the opportunity to, it is essential to the way that the human consciousness developed that, or consciousness has developed, that we have to articulate things as part of processing things and the process of articulation. Holy shit, I just like deja vu myself to five seconds ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right? Because I'm processing as I'm articulating, talking about this and doing what I'm talking about while I'm doing it. Yeah. You, one, two, three, eight, one, grateful for my therapy dog. You can talk Amen. to our pets. We don't yeah. need a robot. Yeah. So, uh, this isn't about being mentally healthy or unhealthy because I want to say that there will always be a need for talk therapy therapy for people who don't have that for themselves. But yeah, Joey, I'm kind of with you in the sense that like long term for 
mental health practices? Can humans just get so much better at managing our own brains that we teach our children to manage their brains as they grow up so well that they never experience what we know today as mental health issues? Yeah, absolutely. To the point that they don't need therapists. Yes, perhaps. Perhaps we will get to the point where talk therapists, as we know them today, as this form will sit down for an hour, give money, controlled setting, is maybe we get, it's not a thing. But art therapy, creative therapy, that will never not be a thing. Maybe it won't be therapy, but it'll just be how we process those deeper thoughts and emotions that are essential to realizing the potential of our intelligence. D. Vincent W. Auto Shrink replies, how does that make you feel? Or say more about that. Yeah. Please. But hey, you know what? For a lot of people, that's what they hear from a blank canvas. That's what they hear when they see a guitar. That's what they are answering when they sit down to write a book or in their diaries even. All right. So, we have our guest switching, wait, switching devices. Now ready to try again. All right, let's see if we got audio and video clear with our guest, Greg. Greg, are you there? I am here. Can Ooh. you hear me? You sound like an alien again. This, oh, it sounds like some kind of, is it same microphone or signal interference? Oh, man. Yeah. This would, be, no. this would be my luck on the very first time I get to do something like this. Well, hold on a second. Jim is saying he's good on his end, so it's just that I can't hear you. Like you come, you're coming in like totally alien garbage to me. Crazy, like, but it's coming in okay to Jim. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we can't have Jim like live uh, write me everything you're saying on the screen or something. Uh, is there is there anything? Could it? Oh, hold on. Could it tr say something again? Can you hear me? Oh, I figured it out. You know what it was? It was so I, I apologize. This is this is a technical glitch that is the uh, a consequence of us traveling. So normally I do have my phone plugged in and charging while I'm doing the show. Apparently, and, and in my studio on my solar power system, no problem. Here in this fucked up city grid electric in Austin, Texas, using their outlet on the wall here. I got some weird static, and I apologize. Uh, that is that is like. I wish you could. It's such a weird, but that I that I would even try that was like kind of, kind of cool. So Greg, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time and patience <laughs> this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Greg Lauer, welcome to the show. So Greg, if you remember that wonderful introduction, which we'll spike splice together later <laughs> in both production, um, how exactly did this position of uh, I'm, now I'm like, now I'm, I'm all thinking technical shit. Greg, <laughs> how did this position of Libertarian Party of Colorado campaigns director come about? Um, years ago, I can't even remember how many, but years ago, they were fighting for ballot access. And one of the volunteers practically killed himself doing yeoman's work to get constant ballot access and and it was kind of weird because in Colorado, it, it, it really doesn't take that much to get ballot access, but the state legislature was trying to cut a deal between the, the two major parties to exclude any third party from having continuous ballot access. And the idea was we'd have to really? rename ballot access every year. So then 
in case that came up again, they created this position and it's just been passed down every couple of years. All right. So tell us about it. What does it do? Why is this an important role for the party? Well, there's, I mean, I've got a big moonshot goal behind it. And, and in general, it's important because we need to get as many good, solid libertarian candidates as we can. And in my opinion, we need to get them from the lowest level all the way up through the governor and then above, if possible. And, and we see that we're going to do that someday. Uh, so my role here at the state is, the way I see it, is to have libertarian candidates in every ballot slot for every voter in this state. All right. So, I mean, the bigger, I, I mean, this is, I kind of want to come back to this and I want my audience to always learn about LP activism in a way that encourages them to be more involved. So I, I will come, I, don't let me forget. I want you to end with your pitch for the party and for candidates in Colorado and really for everybody in the world to run for office. Well, I suppose, um, I mean, if, if you live, if you live in China, you probably should not run for office as a libertarian. I think it would be ill-advised uh, for your health uh, as in, in some. But in, in most, we, we, we do want to say, I, I do want to point out that this is a, a global venue of activism available for most people around the world. And we have a lot of great international affiliates with the Libertarian Party as well. But city council, what city? How did that start? How do you sneak onto a city council even as a small L libertarian? Uh, you sneak on by being an, I snuck on, I can't say this is going to be a winning formula for everybody, but I think it could. I snuck on by registering unaffiliated. And then that way I couldn't be attacked by either of the county parties for Democrat or by either Democrats or Republicans. Mm -hmm. And our race, yes, our race is supposed to be nonpartisan, but everybody knows who you belong to. So I changed my registration about a year out to unaffiliated. And then I just kept talking. And it's kind of a cheesy strategy, but I basically repeated Ron Paul's messages from <laughs> 2008 and 2012 and tailored them to our city, which is our city is just loaded with liberty-minded people, but they've all been fooled into thinking they have to register as Republicans. I want to go back to this, this core strategy. This very, very simple idea, and, it, and it's it's if you can pull it off, as Greg has, pretty darn clever. Basically, in a race where you can run as unaffiliated, or it's a nonpartisan race, you run unaffiliated, and you're under the fray, under the radar of political bullshit, and you can run a direct be the nice friendly local guy kind of campaign whereas if you attach an l to your name you got a target on your back from the beginning right yep that was exactly what i had seen over and over and over so i i spoke a heavy duty libertarian message without the l attached to the name and nobody attacked me and everybody listened and i got letters to the editor published when some people couldn't get them published i got uh, I wrote letters kind of describing each of the three main points that I was going for, which was a limited government should actually be limited. It'd be nice if we did that, even at our level. Uh, things like we shouldn't always just throw new fees in there because Colorado's constitution requires that taxes go to the voters. 
So, of course, you go around that by putting new fees, and I don't think that's the right thing to do either. Mm. And then saying things like, well, you know, at the time, a 12-year-long board that seems to have no end is not the right answer to our problems either. Yeah. And you've got a lot of traction with those messages. Now, I, I don't want to promote this as a general strategy that's always relevant, but it's a lot more relevant than I think libertarians recognize, and there's an inherent challenge we face by affixing a label to an ideology that's outside of the mainstream, because then you talk to someone in the mainstream, you don't think of the, the, the remember, when you were in the mainstream, if you if you were so unfortunate at some point, yep. you, you it was your identity. Yep. It was being, your virtue, your worthiness as a human being that is being challenged. Yep. And so we, we have to be, be aware of that in terms of how it affects our introduction of what are new ideas to a lot of people. And Greg has had incredible success for this. So how does, I mean, seven years, what's that been like? Tell us about your time on the, on the city council. <laughs> uh, it's been the biggest learning experience of my life. I had no idea water law could be so complicated okay. or that six people could be so noisy about the dumbest things imaginable constantly. But it's also been really the way I decided to do what I really wanted to do was I, I went behind the scenes and worked with the staff. And I had found, I mean, our, our city code book was just as thick as the one from Colorado Springs. And they have literally 12 times the population we do. So I didn't see any reason for our city code to be 17,000 pages long when I first got in. So I've been going behind the scenes, working with the staff to get them. You know, I'll identify an ordinance I want repealed or a piece of the code I want changed to either eliminate it completely because it's just so overreaching and so egregious that it's 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 almost offensive to me and is the best way to put it, um, or to roll things back or to move the code from a even a minor like municipal court type situation into a zoning change so that uh, just one, one example, it used to be, I don't know how this even happened, but at some point in our city's history, if your privacy fence was over six feet and code enforcement measured it over six feet, you had to appear before the municipal judge. Oh, geez. Pay a hundred dollar fine and trim the fence down. Wow. And, I just worked quietly with the staff to get that thing moved into zoning code so that it was six feet plus or minus some wiggle room. <laughs> so, that, so that, you know, and it was a percentage that, I mean, fences could be up to seven or eight feet now. And they're not, nobody's going to get code enforcement stopping at the door. Nobody's going to have to go before a municipal judge and pay a hundred dollar fine because their fence was just a little too tall. So I, I hope the audience sees there's like a progression here. Introduce new ideas gently, show them how they benefit people's lives. And then now you're running for mayor this November. Is that right? Yeah, that's, um, I hadn't formally declared. I mean, some people are probably going to take this as my formal declaration. Um, but I, I think I've done too much work over the last seven years to, just step out and give it in, just give it over to somebody else who has already declared they want to roll back a lot of our changes. And um, not to throw shade on any particular party, but we've had an awful lot of progressive left 
activists move up here from Pueblo and have already been pretty noisy about some of the things they want to put in place. And if I can at least stand in the way for, for four years or maybe eight, if I can at least stand in the way of those things just almost being automatic, that's what I want to do. Because our council has the potential to flip to a majority, very heavy-handed progressive in November. Well, more about the city, the population, the demographics, the uh, political balances. Well, it, it's the the name of the city is Fountain, Colorado. We're a little bit south of Colorado Springs, maybe ten minute drive south of Colorado Springs, about a half an hour north of Pueblo. We have a, a pretty mixed population, by and large, leans right or leans very very liberty-minded. Um, my favorite example is going up to knock on doors and a guy met me with his shotgun and, and, pump, and you know, put, pumping around into the chamber to ask me what I was doing there from the government. So I was pretty pretty excited <laughs> to meet that guy, actually. Now, found just first perspective, 30,000 residents. Yep, it's about right? 30,000, 30, somewhere between 30 and 32, depending on the, the latest estimate. Yeah, how long have you lived there? What's your what's your connection with the community? Um, lived in the city uh, for almost ten years now. My wife was a teacher here. She's been a teacher in the in the city for twenty one years. Uh, moved to Colorado in in two thousand and one and lived in. The, we've got some unincorporated El Paso County around us, and I lived there and kind of watched the way Fountain did things. And for a long time, it was watching the struggle between some people who really just wanted to be left alone to live their lives with no government interference and this new group that was stepping in the way to try and be the government interference. And uh, we moved away up to the Springs for a little bit because I was going to do some activism up there. And once I felt like the mission that I could possibly do up there was done, uh, we moved back into, we moved back here and moved into the city about 10 years ago. And then, uh, I just kind of slowly became more and more active behind the scenes, spreading that, that liberty message kind of gently, hitting people from the right, you know, from the right, and then hitting people that are on the left from the left a little bit, not even realizing that people had talked about that being a strategy. But that just seemed like the way to do it, talk their language, mm -hmm. but then lead them from there into this much better way of thinking about whatever the issue was we were talking about. So I'm sorry to phrase it more uh, more for what I wanted an answer, but when I say, well, what's your connection to the community? Like day job, community involvement. Oh, I'm sorry. Know, where, where, where do you go? What do you enjoy in the city? What does it mean oh. to you to be a resident of Fountain? Um, so now it means a whole lot more. Uh, <laughs> we used to have to go somewhere else for almost everything. And after seven years, we can now actually stay in the city if you want to do something as simple as get groceries. You can actually stay in the city. Um, you know, some of the bigger recreation stuff, you still have to go out. But what we've got is kind of a small town feel. So a lot of people really enjoy just connecting, getting together in the park. It's kind of weird. Our parks are always full. So there's like... Do you, do you have a parks and recreation department in Fountain, Colorado? Yeah, we do. <laughs> Sounds like a fun... I, I, can, I can move to Fountain, Colorado and get a government job working for you. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to be ashamed of myself if that happened. But yeah, <laughs> but yes, we do, uh, and and we've managed to keep it small, uh, even though 
you know, the kind of, in fact, Tuesday we have another meeting and, and they're going to be asking for more people to join Parks and Rec to cut the grass. And it's that, it's that constant fight. I mean, we, there are some things we need to get done. So I've had to budge a little bit on the budget, but you know, that, that I, I keep hearing that old phrase, you gain freedom by inches. You try for miles, you dig in to get feet and then you take the, the number of inches you can get. So I've managed to keep Amen. the staff from growing hugely as our budget improved. I mean, there's been some requests to, to grow the staff by 15 or 20%. And we've uh, really kept it down to, I think in the last seven years, we've added a total of six people. And there's a bit of an, you know, existential debate around this idea of, you know, going for miles and accepting inches as progress in, in, in libertarians who see the world full of unethical institutions and say there's no reason to not get rid of them all. And the legitimate objection to the, the inch by inch argument is that, well, if we go for inches while they're taking feet, we're, we're going to still be marching backwards against freedom. And there is that challenge. But there are two kinds of sort of scores that can be measured in inches. And one is in individuals whose minds you free, the way the paradigm is shifted by waking people up one at a time. And you know that a you know, big part of your work in, in, is not just the, I mean, what makes your work special is not that. The inches that you are winning are like actual practical measurable inches where people are saying, look, we applied this libertarian idea here and it made our lives that much better thusly and you can show that and what you're doing is is, is just a beautiful example of that at a city level so okay. um greg if you could if you could talk for a second though how that translates then into being i mean how, you're if you're running for mayor of fountain you know are the residents going to be suspicious of you now that you're a libertarian party officer involved with state <laughs> politics um you know, it's funny you should bring that up because I, I made mention of that on my Facebook page and immediately lost a half a dozen uh, friends. And, and and there's been some interesting discussion in the background that I'm starting to hear that, uh, oh, no, this guy, you know, this guy was was a, an undercover agent all along. And now he's now he's coming out of the closet, so to speak, and, and is going to try and wreak some sort of havoc on us. Now hold on a second. I just want to make sure I'm understanding this right, Greg. So like you're 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 there as the unaffiliated libertarian on city council. You announced that you would be running for mayor as a libertarian, or you announced that the Libertarian Party of Colorado stuff. Uh, just the the Libertarian Party of Colorado, because we okay. still we still have to run nonpartisan. So it's, it's it's interesting to say we liked you until we saw that you put an L next to you. Now, I just want to point out that we know in, in the course of advocating for freedom that there are going to be steps backwards in this process. Yeah. And if, you're if you have achieved the success of being a city council member, even in a city with a population of 30,000, and you have 5,000 friends on Facebook, and that, that, I mean, that's a sixth of the population of the town right there, that a lot of them are going to really like you, your ideas, and what you're able to do for them. But if and if you lose a small chunk, you knew that was there, and it might have been worth it. And it might even be you can't even trust the conversation on Facebook. How many people were there as friends 
as infiltrating your conversation. And maybe it's not as, as insidious or nefarious, but <laughs> hey, I'm out of here. I don't like that. I'm going to use defriend you as a way to express my distaste. Man, I just, I'm so glad I'm not on Facebook anymore. At least I'm not like, I'm not engaged that way. It is a toxic conversation, man. But yeah. thank you for braving it. So, sorry, back to what you were saying, though, the response and, 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 and this transition, please. Yeah, and I think it's going to be – the interesting thing is I immediately lose, you know, a half dozen or a dozen, you know, quote-unquote friends and then get to engage almost at the exact same time, engage in some conversations with people that have been very productive and have started changing some hearts and minds that have been very – those guys were deeply entrenched in their right-wing ideology or their left-wing ideology. A couple of, like, you know, guys who are still wearing their red baseball caps or still believe that at, at any point this year, Trump is going to be declared the rightful president. And it's been, I've been able to open up some conversations that have led those folks in a different direction where they see what's really going on with their, their actual party that they're affiliated and they, are starting to change their mind on what they want and what they think is right and what they think is wrong with their party. And a couple have even flipped over and registered libertarian in the last couple of weeks. Nice. Uh, so Greg, what, what's your pitch to candidates to run for office as a libertarian in Colorado or anywhere else in the world, except maybe China? <laughs> my, my pitch is that, you know, we, we have for a very long time, the idea has been, let's get candidates on the ballot so we can build name recognition, and maybe, just maybe, we'll luck into winning something. And, and I think that's the wrong approach. I think our approach should be to play to win. And I think the way we play to win is we find people who have been marginalized by the two big parties, and we show them they're not actually politically homeless. They do have an option. And the way we show them they have an option is we talk to people that are in their community who've, who think like we do. They're out there. We just don't know them yet. And it's easy enough to reach out and find them. Mm. We've got voter, I've got voter registration rolls with 42,000 people in Colorado that are registered to vote as libertarians. So I'm not, there's no shortage of people in various communities to reach out to and just have them talk to their friends. So I think we should be playing to win and not playing just to gain a little teeny bit here and there. Um, so what I'm saying is, even if you think the position is too small to make a difference, it's actually not. I put a, a, a libertarian guy on the planning commission for El Paso County, and he has blocked about 19 new ludicrous restrictions that they were going to add to their zoning code in mm. just the last 18 months. So even at levels like planning commissions and park boards, we can look at the way those things are done through a liberty lens and, and bring more freedom to people, even in the most unexpected way, if, or, or even just get the government a little bit out of their way and by default increase their freedom. So it doesn't even matter how small or how big the office is. Um, I, I think it's time for us to play to win. And especially here in Colorado, where the last couple legislative sessions have just, uh, there's some, some ways to phrase it, but the last couple legislative sessions have actually, I mean, rolled in some pretty draconian stuff. About the only thing that good that's come out of the last 
two or three years was the elimination of qualified immunity for a lot of people. But otherwise, we, we need some folks on the front lines, even if the front line is you know, a monthly planning commission meeting that says your fence can be higher than six feet for Christ's sake. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Greg, thank you so much for your time and for joining us and your patience this morning. Uh, let's see. Comment from Empty. Keep on the Liberty fight. Greg, fire indeed. You know, the website you're promoting this morning, lpcolorado.org, put in the state party first. Anything else you want to promote or say in closing, sir? Uh, if you don't mind, there's, there's, we've already got a candidate for who's running for Aurora City Council. They've got a pretty unique situation over there. Um, I call him Joey Hamilton, but his name on the ballot's going to be Robert Hamilton. And he is running for City Council Ward 2 in Aurora. Um, the interesting thing to me is... I'm assuming he's going to get elected. And the reason I'm assuming he's going to get elected is this guy is a solid liberty-minded individual who talks in a way he approaches it not very confrontationally. He approaches it from a very friendly way and draws people in to what he's doing. So I'm assuming he's going to get elected to represent and he'll represent 89,000 people in just that ward in Aurora. And right now, what we found out is there's there's a, a special situation going on where he could be appointed to finish out somebody's term and then run in November for the, the for, to have the seat formally. But he's running up against some people with some pretty deep war chests. So if anybody is of a mindset to help out a local, good, solid libertarian, please go to the site that's shown right there, rh 3 for aurora.com and and throw some bucks in his direction joey or, or as he's listed on the site robert uh robert hamilton the third joey is going to be a very very solid libertarian mind and voice on a very left-leaning council that needs to be frankly that council needs to be controlled by at least one voice that opposes the constant infringement on their freedom Awesome. Greg, thank you so much for your work for the party. Carrie Espinosa, Aurora is a terrible place to live, more crime than all of Denver. Well, definitely ripe for showing the immediate fruits of applying libertarian ideas. Greg, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this, Adam. Thank you. All right. Back to the grab bag. Always fun to hear from the Libertarian Party of Colorado, though. Gosh, they it's there there are a few affiliates that um let's say punch above their weight. Is that is that what we're trying to say? Yeah, punch. They punch above their weight in terms of libertarian activism. Colorado LP is definitely one of them. All right, so we got a fun grab bag. We're gonna see how far we get into today after talking about the woe bot. I got a big. I told you so from the Wall Street Journal. FBI director compares ransomware challenge to 9/11. Remember when the started? I told you. I said the ransomware is gonna be the next terrorism. This is going to be the next thing. they've and, and even, like, I couldn't have written this headline better to prove myself right. FBI director compares ransomware challenge to 9-11. First, I want to say, please go fuck yourself. Christopher Ray points to Russian hackers, calls for coordinated fight across U.S. society. 
Hey everybody, there's this new evil in the world that you can't see, but only I can fight. So fight with me and let's be unified and give me lots of money, power, authority, and blow smoke up my butt because I'm cool and I'm going to save you from this new bad guy that I've, I've probably created myself. Mm -hmm. FBI Director Christopher Ray said the agency was investigating about 100 different types of ransomware, many tracing back to hackers in Russia and compared the current spate of cyber attacks was a challenge posed by the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. Quote, there are a lot of parallels. There's a lot of importance and a lot of focus by us on disruption and prevention. There's a shared responsibility, not just across government agencies, but across the private sector and even the average American. <gasps> be afraid, be very afraid. Now, we have another uh, like double story feature. I think we're going to have to come back because we don't have enough head. Uh, we don't have time in today's show. Former Fox 10 anchor. Carrie Lake announces run for Arizona governor. We might be having her on the show. TMZ with this headline, pants on, ass backwards, looking like a no-fly zone. Yeah, this is funny. Uh, Donald Trump's pants stole the show at his speech. Um, and it looks like, I, when I first saw the picture, I saw a crease there. I didn't see that there wasn't, a fly but it's it is it's just a seam you, you've got this picture up on screen there jim what do you think did he put his pants on backwards or does he just have like a massive hoopa and wrinkle his pants funny when he sits down i think it looks like he put, he put his pants on backwards it looks oh, but, like that did, pants to me. but that didn't occur to me at first i was just like holy shit trump's gotten fat and wears his pants funny and then it was like it's oh. a big miss how do you miss that you put your pants on back the buttons back there there's no way yeah. yeah there's no zipper there that is weird i don't think he put his pants i don't think you could put pants like that on backwards unless i would is donald trump so old and i mean he does he's always walked kind of stiff have you noticed that and he, he's he's very good at kind of hiding it physically right like and it's one of those things where like you he, he, you can't tell right you really can't tell looking at trump physically if he's if he's walking awkwardly because he's got this like he's, he's this is his bravado walk and he's puffing out his chest or like you know when he when he stands off stage he waves and he stands with his hands at his sides yeah. and he's like I'm on display I'm standing here you know there's there, it's it, it's he's a very distinct weird swagger like, yeah yeah and so I but he could be hiding physical discomfort in this it could be his it it might not it, it's he's got some stiffness or injury or 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 pain or something um but if those are normal pants you literally cannot put them on backwards right like normal dress pants i mean you have to reach behind your back no no like and donald trump is not that flexible i'm pretty sure uh but like you would have to reach behind your back to, to the bottom of your butt crack i mean and, and then like zip up your flock like it's, 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 it's uh right. no now if they were stretch pants right okay then you could do it like if donald trump, if, if donald trump was like you know what oh. make me fake pants that look like real pants that i could just pull on without having to bend over too much or look, i i'm you know how they say normal people put on their pants one leg at a time just like everybody else i'm gonna put my pants on two legs at a time because i'm donald trump and you know he's got specially made pants i i don't i I get the elastic <laughs> pants after the uh, 
it hurts my belly. The buttons hurt my belly. There's right, be a sure. reason this guy's not. Well, he's he's old and fat. He wants to look good in a suit. He's got, he's got as much money as it takes to be comfortable. I don't want to hold this against. I say good for you. Creative wardrobe. Great. Then you put it on backwards. And you might not know this. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. Is it, welcome to the world of being an ex-president. Uh, California, CNN.com. More than 600 earthquakes have shaken the California-Mexico border since Saturday. The largest register in 5.3. Uh, we might come back to some of these in our financial block tomorrow for Tuesday, as is our habit that I'm starting to enjoy getting into. COVID Monday, Wednesday, economics Tuesday, catch up Thursday, good news Friday. I like that layout. Reuters, Google to change global advertising practices in landmark antitrust deal. I, I don't know if I want to bring this back for good news, but study finds gluten-free generation, number of children with celiac disease doubled over past 25 years. I want to read the story more thoroughly and be like, okay, what did we do wrong? Hmm. Yeah, let's dig into that. The number of gluten intolerant children has doubled over the last 25 years. Yeah, I think we got to come back to this one. USA Today, USA Today fights a subpoena aimed at readers of Florida FBI shooting story. Just so you know, this is where government has with it is where government is at with its intrusiveness. They are demanding the details on who accessed articles. And this is the current legal fight. This is how little privacy you have left. Government is fighting over whether they can find out what news stories you read. Yeah. Isn't that great? New York Times, similar story. U.S. put gag order on Times executives amid fight over email logs. T.me slash Adam versus the man. This is a story. If you're going to get into it, get into it. In the last week of the Trump administration and continuing under Biden, the Justice Department fought a secret legal battle to obtain the email logs of four New York Times reporters in a hunt for their sources. But you. AP, Justice Department says it'll no longer seize reporters' records. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah, you caught us. We'll never do it again. Uh, yeah. And with that, let's get to Jim in Phoenix with azcentral.com, a story that he was covering himself. Massive fire in West Phoenix Spurs, largest response in fire department history. If you were in the Producers Club, you would have seen Jim's exclusive videos about this. There he is, showing him. He's got to show him up now. Live on the scene. This was a like, the largest response number of uh, the number of trains carrying lumber and recycling yards on fire. And I was like, ah, yes, I can see the price of lumber going up in this video, which is a story we're also going to cover tomorrow with inflation and commodities. And with that, producer Jim, give us the note, sir. What's going on? Yeah, I had to show my exclusive live footage there, just so you know. Uh, join us, t.me forward slash Adam versus the man. That's a public channel that anybody's welcome to join. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man has the links, uh, the way you can join the show and join the private producers club for 10 bucks a month. You'll get 15% off and free shipping on everything you order from merch from the website once that's up and ready uh, by being a better patron. Cigarfederation.com comes with promo code Adam10 to get 10% off of your entire order there. So definitely take advantage of that. Instagram, search at the Garden of Freedom to find out everything that's going on through pictures and videos up there in Gardenia. What's going on with Adam? The crypto6.com, those Bitcoin church guys that were raided still need your help. So visit that website, give them a click all the buttons, check all the stuff. Go greenenergyonline.com, best website on the planet for do-it-yourselfers to learn about solar power and micro wind power and self-sustaining off-grid grinning. 
GoGreenEnergyOnline.com. Thank you. I'm glad Monday is almost over. <laughs> All right, Joey Lee, any more comment entries? Do we have any good captions, or was it just a fun thing for us to bullshit about on the show? I like the captions that is... people had, and uh, <laughs> I already named it, and Kim should have it. It's there. It's official. It's me. Oh, oh. I had, you have to be in the club because I didn't have time. I had so much other stuff going oh, on. And we're, all, and we're too late. I got a minute left. So Where you can hang out with 1054, the winner of today's contest. What was the caption, dear? The caption was uh, Mrs. Keemeyer. Mrs. Keemeyer. <laughs> where she parked to kill those all right and on good news in history from goodnewsnetwork.org it was on this day in 1776 remember june 7 before july 4th it was on this day 245 years ago richard henry lee of virginia proposed to the continental congress a resolution calling for a declaration of independence and on the state in 1965, the U.S. Supreme Court reached a landmark decision on married couples' right to privacy that effectively legalized the use of contraception. Pretty majorly for that recently in American history. Mwah, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other. 